All right, uh, Inappropriate Earl is back. It's been a big couple weeks for us. Uh, still getting great feedback from the bad guy from Superman 2. Many people come up to me and say, I didn't even know he could talk. Uh, it's a fucking, he was acting, guys. So uh, he was a heavyweight boxer, fought George Foreman, Ron Lyle. He was the real deal. Uh, Ron Lyle in prison for seven years and then took up boxing. Uh, well, you try getting raped in prison, you'll take up boxing too. Um, but today, I, I'm sad and I'm happy because I had a, a, a not a comedy duo uh, scheduled, but two guys who knew each other from the 70s. Catch a rising star. Many of you know I'm a huge Pat Benatar fan, although recently the drummer uh, refused to be on the podcast. I might not have approached him in the right way. I'll, I, I will ask my guest today if what I did was wrong. Uh, I was going to have the bass player from Pat Benatar, the original bass player, the founding bass player, Roger Caps. He just called me five minutes ago saying he thought it was next Thursday. But I have a man on my couch right now who, uh, this might seem a bit ass-kissy. I've been doing stand-up comedy for 16 years. Uh, that's a pimple to this gentleman. Uh, he is my favorite comic of all time. I'm not just bullshitting. He is a mentor to me. He doesn't know any of this, so I'm trying to be respectful. Uh, I, I can't really... Words can't describe how much I look up to this man, and in the not just L.A. comedy scene, but the comedy scene in general, he is a legend, and I don't use that term lightly. Please give it up, guys, for Rick Overton. Jeez, uh, Earl, I'm I'm honored. Well, thanks, man. I really uh, mean that. And you're you're part of a you're a hilarious part of what I think is a new comedy phenomenon going on right now. So it's a real pleasure and honor to be on your show to be with a, a comedy innovator. I'd like to think I've run into a few of the comedy innovators in my day. Uh, you know, uh, Paul Provenza is a comedy innovator. Uh, Troy Conrad and you, man. And uh, Troy knows when another innovator is innovating, and he showed up to you. Well, and, and that's uh, how I find out about what's going on next, you know. And you are very innovative in the GE commercial, the <laughs> Don't Pick Up the Hammer, Dad. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so if you see that commercial, GE, uh, he's, uh, there's a lovely couple with a son. Uh, <laughs> Rick Overton is the father. And, uh, of course, I loved him on Leverage. But uh, now oh, we're... thank you. I mean, I could sit here... <laughs> it's just fun. <laughs> I've got two credits Jerry on Downey, I. Jerry Downey, me and Jerry Downey. I mean, I've got two credits on IMDb. Your credit page on IMDb rivals M. Emmett Walsh. Oh, wow. Thanks. Jeez. He's a favorite of mine. Blood simple, baby. Well, I mean, I... Laughing at the drip of water at the end in the sink. He's dying laughing at the drip of water. <laughs> See, how many people could instantly riff on an M. Emmett Walsh reference? Right. Right. All the way from there to... Uh, Sort of his last giant moment when uh, oh, was it Will Smith and Kevin Klein are sitting on the steampunk rocket bicycle from uh, Wild West, and uh, they say so they gave him some instruction, and he just goes, "No, oh, okay," and just turns and walks off, and that's it. And that's the last screen thing of M. Emmett Walsh, I think. Well, I hope he, uh, you know, he's getting to that age where it's, you know, he's probably had enough of. Yeah, you can kiss my ass. What do you think of that, Hollywood? Yeah, I mean, uh, I went, I'm retired. He is, but I know where he lives. Where does he live? 
Well, he lives in West L.A. Uh, there is a bar that plays Seattle Seahawks football games. Oh. And uh, at halftime, you know, guys go out and smoke or, you know, get out of the bar for some fresh air. And M. Emmett Walsh lives across the street, and he heckles the people who are smoking. It's <laughs> great. I love that. That's a real Jonathan Winters kind of you know, take the performance into the world, into life kind of thing. I mean, I went out there to watch the Seahawks, I think, play the Steelers. And uh, I was like, Jesus Christ, that's that looks like the reporter from Slapshot. Yeah. And it's like, my God, it is a reporter. And I <laughs> went up to him and I'm like, you know, here's a man who's done hundreds, literally hundreds of films, TV. And I'm like, I loved you in that Dolph Lundgren movie. <laughs> Red Scorpion. Yeah. And he looked at me and said, don't remind me. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at your IMDb page right yeah. now, and it's mm -hmm. it's like an encyclopedia. A uh, lucky break, you know, to, I, I think all of it's luck. I think every last iota of it is luck. I mean, 160 credits. Yeah. And I thought me being on Real Rob on Netflix was a big deal. It is a good deal. You're on the next thing that's all going to switch over to that screen you're on now, man. Well, thank you, Rob Schneider. Well, you are on the things we'll be looking at next. Well, I mean, you've been around, uh, I mean, since the early 70s in terms of the entertainment business. Like, it must be wild for someone like you to go from movies being such a big deal in theaters, you know, and now it's... Netflix. You know, he's watching <clears throat> the screen that we're looking at change and the size of the camera that shoots you change and the how often you have to run from the giant seven meal seven minute reel of film of thirty-five millimeter film rolling out to a half hour chip to a longer chip so you can shoot something like Birdman and one gargantuan pass on those takes, you know. And, uh, but it's still, uh, at least for the time being, it's actors doing for now. thing for now until it's completely mocap. Or uh, I just heard AI wrote some literary thing that won an award. What, what best AI CGI? Wrote, <laughs> AI wrote a story that won some award. I mean, I just isn't that weird? AI's starting to sneak into the arts, you know. Well, hopefully they can sneak into the next Expendables movie. <laughs> <laughs> they're so they're all so old. It's going to be called the Dependables, right? Well, I the mean, action's so exciting. They'll shit in your pants. I mean, listen, I love every one of those actors, but. Me too. Uh, in high def, it's not pretty. <laughs> I mean, they look like Chinese Sharpays. I'm the urinator. I'll be right back. Well, listen, we've had worse governors. <laughs> yeah. I'm disappointed that Mr. Brown isn't quite the Jerry we once knew. I mean, I want to remember him as the guy who yeah. porked Linda Ronstadt in her prime. Well, with a windmill whop whopping in the background, you know, <laughs> trying to do the environment, getting it all green here, and then it all fell apart. Do you think it's based on a broken heart? She left him because he's no good. He's no good. He's no good. Baby, he's no good. Was that written about him? I think that was Jerry Brown. No, I have no idea, but I'm going to say so. No, I don't. I have no idea. Well, I'm not the I, I'm not familiar with Linda Ronstadt's catalog, but uh, yeah, yeah. 
But you mentioned the uh, mic knuckles I'm holding. I'm um, looking at those. Are those made of brass? They are. And, oh, jeez. Uh, the, they're the only sponsor of Inappropriate Earl, the uh, great Stephen Piercy, the singer from Rat. Right. Uh, he designs these. Round uh, and round. What's well, come around for those guys? What comes around goes around. I'll tell you why. You get better. I it, When I started this podcast on day one, <laughs> if you said to me, Earl, you're going to have Rick Overton singing you a rat song. <laughs> I'd be like, it doesn't get any better than That's this. Right. <laughs> why? 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 I'll tell you. What, well, I'll tell you why, why. Now, are you familiar with them? Because I know a lot of Milton, Bur Milton, Milton Burrow's cousin. Nephew. Nephew, yeah. Marshall. Marshall, yeah. Do you know him? Well, we don't really know each other. Right. I just read up on it. Because right. it had a connection to comedy. Right. And they, uh, you know, they got very lucky. You talk about luck in this yeah. business. Yeah. Rat came along when MTV was really a baby, and mm -hmm. someone said, "We'll put this guy in your videos." And uh, there's a great scene uh, during the filming of that video for Round and Round where they're putting Milton's makeup on. Yeah, and some young intern is telling him, "Mr. Burl, you're supposed to go over there and sit with next to the drummer." <laughs> and he's like, "I'm Milton Burl. You don't fucking tell me what to do." <laughs> and he does this. Why he does a great just. I, a skyward eye thing he does, you know, that to this day, you're saying, hey, what's that old square doing? And then you, <clears throat> and you laugh anyway. There's no way. The timing transcends all age, all era. Right. It got you anyhow. And that's the goal as you get older. What are those parts I still have that get you anyhow? Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. As your image to their eye changes, what is the new thing that I know you perceive that, I, as I change and I'm further from you relating to yourself when you see me, what else do I, you know, what else do I bring to you that makes you want to listen to someone that stopped looking like you? And that will come upon all comedians. This will be a thing that you all get. What are you next? Right. So that when they see you visually change, some comics, clearly they just physically, they don't age like a normal person and they keep the hair the same and they dye it and it's sells a visual snapshot of how they look from a long time ago. And then there's guys I just, I age chronologically. I, I age in actual time. But you look the same, but different. Well, like, it's, you're going to get some gray in here, but you know the beard. You know, you could see me from Mrs. Doubtfire as the maitre d', and you could go, yeah, but it's jet black and all the hair. Yeah. So a little hair went out, and, and it went gray. I could dye it and roughly look like that guy if I lost a couple of pounds, you know? But it was not the same thing. And at some point, I wonder, do I just... I better just roll with what I am at this point. I right. There's enough of me on film and video looking like it that was... I don't know if that's the point that I fix that so much as. I fix my perception of that. I fix seeing aging as a thing that Hollywood dictates as opposed to how the pretty much the rest of the world sees aging. It's okay. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I like some of the luxuries of it. Well, yeah. It's Younger. not all luxurious. <laughs> I promise you that, but there's some. Younger girls. Grand slams at the Denny's. Yeah, right. It's what you trade out for the the sort of cavalier romances of the past. You you accept that there's a part of you that wants to say more and hear some more back right. than those dalliances ever provided. You know, you want to get a substance going. When you're done coming, you want to talk. Oh, yeah. 
right? Beats talking. <laughs> You're 47. You don't know yet. <laughs> You're gonna see, man. You're gonna see when coming and conversing are starting to get close. You know. Oh, no, not yet. You do. I'm this. not there, brother. <laughs> You're not there. I know. I mean, I don't come as often as I used to, but uh, well, get on out to 61. And you're going to like a good company. No, I like both. I like sex. But I, I, there's something about once you're done with sex and there's nothing to say. And that sort of yawning chasm of cold wind blows between the two of you when you're just inches apart. Well, that's usually when the hour's up and I should the say, hour's go. Up. <laughs> <laughs> how much for the ponderous ending? Yeah, how many roses? <laughs> they can't say dollars because they might think you're a cop. <laughs> like to make you laugh means more than getting passed at the comedy store. And I hope Adam's not listening because I do enjoy being passed at the comedy store. But <laughs> I mean, Congratulations, I, by the way. Well, it was... Uh, <laughs> And this is, I, you know, I have you on almost selfishly as a therapy session because, uh, you know, I I wouldn't say almost quit a couple of years ago, but I was thinking about it because it was just, you know, you can only be told no so many times before you're like, I, what am I doing? And then uh, luckily I'm in the wrong improv troupe. Right. And I think I was in the wrong city. Uh, but uh, luckily uh, the previous talent coordinator at the store had been... Uh, let go for let's just say some interesting accounting methods mm. and then uh, it's totally mm. changed now and uh i mean how do you deal with the the because i think people look at you as incredibly successful you know a, a legend and not just stand up but in, uh, you I'm must lucky character actor among many and i'm grateful for every split second of it you know but, i mean you started comedy like you know back when there yeah. was like one stand-up show on TV, basically the Tonight Show, and there were a couple, but not a lot. Merv, oh thank, Merv God. Griffin, Mike Douglas, uh, but not a ton. There wasn't a lot of chat. There was some. It, uh, Dick Cavett didn't do comedians much. He was the comedian, isn't one of their comedians on so much as let him be the thing, and then just have a really engaging intellectual guest on, right. So that was his trip, and I loved that format too. And he kind of, I think, had maybe one of the greater early influences on how I interview now because of Dick Cavett. He was uh, way too deep for me. Oh. Said, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> Where are the dick jokes? <laughs> dick Cavett. Right. Dick Caveat. Anyway, uh, that was his Dick Caveat. But I, uh, yeah, then I would uh, watch... Was it Norm Crosby's? Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, the Impression Show. What was that called? Uh, uh, ah, I'm blanking on the name for the. It was. It was uh, you know, I'm in a funk right now because the coach from the White Shadow died, and I. I yeah, Ken Howard, man. I was. As a uh, sag, I, he he did good by us, and he, he fought for us. That was sag, uh, so. one of my favorite shows as a kid. Really, you're a tall guy. Well, I, I'm. Uh, well, it, I went to the high school where that was filmed. Really? Um, it, which is funny because, wow. uh, you know, it, it was a show based around a white coach in a ghetto. But in reality, Notre Dame High in Sherman Oaks uh, was the... There's, you know, you thought you were in Poland. It was so white. At Notre oh, Dame. But there was one black kid there. And I asked him one time, you know, is this your type of scene here? He's like, 
Oh, I saw the white shadow. I thought this school would be perfect for me. Because he thought it was really <laughs> like that in real life. TV does that. Well, it was such a groundbreaking show. Like for that, you know, it did uh, race uh, episodes and, yes. and rape and abortion. And uh, it was really. Right, the- right. And so did Room 222. Oh, my God. With uh, Karen Valentine. That's right. And Michael Constantine. Yeah, Mike Constantine. But I mean, back then, and we were talking uh, w- while we were waiting for the great Roger Caps. Yeah. We're going to have to talk a week for him to uh, uh, make sure to get him to tell that story about when me and him, he ran the lick for So Sincere. The His base, he was just coming up with it. And he, hey, hey, guys, Roger, my partner, and, and right. I had a Roger too, Roger Sullivan. So he calls us down to the basement of catch. He goes, What do you think of this lick? You're so sincere. You're so sincere. It's like a punk right. repeating song. And uh, so, like, it. He said, you coming up? Yeah, she's going to do one of my ideas for a song. And that's when he broke in to get Pat to do his licks for songs. And then, like, as his influence into the Pat Benatar band, it was really good. It was, it was a big moment, you know? And that's, like, we could talk a little bit about Pat because you, while you were a Catch a Rising Star, she was a waitress. Yeah, she'd take the apron off, do a song on stage, go back, put the apron on. It was like the way... Uh, uh, Streisand did at one time, you know, Bette Midler. I mean, when you were at Catch and you saw her go up, what, did you ever go, this girl's going to be famous? Or okay. like, well, everybody knew immediately. They goes, oh, she's not waiting long. That's it. Because there weren't in the late 70s, uh, I mean, you really had uh, maybe missing persons for a little brief period. Uh, and uh, there weren't. Patty Smith. Oh, yes. Uh, scandal and pretenders um but i mean maybe under five uh female girls who could sing rock songs terry bozio oh missing persons is you know she's uh thank you lady gaga for taking that (laughs) wardrobe choices yeah man and uh married to the drummer that's the you know we were talking about dating comics never uh the great amazing drummer his uh drum solos they have to lower him into his kit because he's he Surrounded like uh, ELP was. Yeah, he makes uh, Neil Peart's kit look like Charlie Watts. <laughs> How are you lowered into that? Fit in a station wagon. Fit the kit in the station wagon. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Oh wow! So I mean, you grew up in just such a great. I mean, where to be a comic, you had to be fucking funny. My, it all comes from being a misfit, you know. And but a lucky break of again, my parents were both in the arts. They were musicians. My dad was a jazz musician. He arranged for Thelonious Monk and taught at Juilliard. And uh, my mom was one of the cordettes. Wow. Lollipop, Mr. Sandman. She wasn't one of the recording cordettes in the initial albums because uh, one of the gals got pregnant and couldn't fit in the gown anymore. So they had to go on the road. So mom stepped in because you know, the gal stepped out to be a mom. And so mom came in. She fit in the gown. She sang, so she was a cordette. So she would go on the road. So she'd go to county fairs and car shows. But sometimes those shows would have comedians. And I would watch these guys get a laugh. And I wanted a taste of that like more than anything in the world. Right. Because no 
band. There's no reading music. I just say something and you give me that. And that's different from watching a, a music show where people go, yeah, yeah. And they move their head and they wave around because you're, you're making just any animal. You can make a dog, a parrot will do it. Right. You know, an elephant will. Anything will follow a beat. But to make them go, ha, 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 ha. Make a fool of themselves. Ha, ha, ha. Is the most amazing added amount of weird feeling of power. I can control you to do that. It's a sexual I high. I want to see. I want that rush over and over now. I'm getting hooked on that feeling just a little bit. And when you get a girl in class to tilt her head because you said something so funny that like the, the, the order of power goes like this. You'd said something so funny. The alpha bully in class went, huh. And then the girl goes, oh, you made alpha laugh. Head tilt. Right. And I'm like, oh, I think I'm stuck now. I think I'm going to have to use this the rest of my life. And we're misfits. Oh, absolutely. This is not, none of this is occurring because we thought plan A worked. Plan A is you're beautiful and everyone gives you what you fucking want when you ask for it. And they all like you just because they look at you and they like you. And they like all your actions and behaviors. And okay, that doesn't work. All right, what's plan B? How do I stay near the campfire and all your water and supplies? And that includes love. I'm going to make you like me. What's the other things you do to make make you like me? Make them laugh. Um, guys, we're having... Okay, we just, no, I'll just tell you. Blake Clark just sent me a text. He said, Shandling, damn. Gary Shandling died? Uh, guys, we're going to put this on uh, pause for a second. Uh, this has never happened uh, in the middle of a uh, podcast, but, you know, uh, we got some uh, breaking news. Uh, we'll be right back. Okay, guys, uh, sorry about that, but uh, just in the middle of recording, uh, the newswire said that uh, Gary Shanling uh, passed away. So, uh, you know, he's uh, he's another comedy legend that, uh, you know, I don't think I need to give his uh, history. So, um, Rick, uh, you knew him. Um, yeah, he's a great, great guy, and he was... On this incredible Zen search for the last few years to search for meaning in life and who he is and who he wanted to become. And uh, was becoming a boxer, a really, you know, powerful boxer, too. He did boxing and he was in good shape. And sometimes these things just happen out of nowhere. It seemed apparently to be very sudden with no warning or illness. Heart attack dropped. I mean, it's, on the spot, evidently, and medical emergency, but it was sudden, evidently. Well, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I guess uh, this definitely wasn't uh, part of the uh, area I wanted to ask you on, but uh, since it's uh, kind of, you know, happening, how do you deal with like the loss of so many f colleagues? And, and, you know, I've lost a few friend, comic friends. I'm sorry to hear it. Uh, I can relate. Mostly suicides, not to illness, wow. but uh, yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I mean, I guess this business can be uh, mentally uh, challenging. But the only uh, buddy I have a story like that with would be Rich Jenny, right? 
I don't have a lot of suicide stories in my life. There are some, but not many. And like, I mean, how do you, you know, like when I um, had the wrestler Roddy, Roddy Piper on who, of course, uh, I refuse to just say that Robbins was a suicide. Right. Because at that point, it wasn't Robin. Right. Louise Dementia changes who you are. The you in the middle of it all is no longer the one that anyone recognizes making those decisions. It takes that part away. That's what it does. It claims that part of you. It takes the mind that decides. And in, it so it can't decide correctly. Like in Robin's case, do you, do you think he wasn't even Robin wasn't Williams Robin anymore? No, Just, that part is gone. Robin wouldn't do that to his family. Right. Yeah. And they said he was going through a dimming of who he was. Because that's how it works. That's what Louis Dementia, precisely what it does. I mean, I imagine it would be like a guitar player getting arthritis and not being able to do what they do. I mean, that's only the beginning of what it does. You're starting to not have the access to your mind. And Robin's whole library, that, out, that library of Alexandria in his head with speed of light access, if that is denied, that's a part of him. That's such a, an element of his soul. Right. You know? And then add to, the, to that, that's, like, that's a rational reason to go, well, what the hell? And then add to it Louis Dementia where it's not me or you looking at that issue. Right. It's that mind trying to process it. And what it's done to that mind. That's why it's this, this, the, the, the worst kind of killer. It doesn't kill the body first. It kills who we know first. Right. It's... That's the fucking thing of it. Anyway, we, no, I, we I, received I, I... some shocking news and I, I have to say my heart's taken so many gut punches it just goes, oh, <sighs> and just sighs. Now it doesn't, it's not the same hit anymore. It's so used to being hit, it has a sigh now. Yeah, no. There's I so know. many in a row, Bowie, whatever. I didn't know everyone personally, but I knew a lot of these people recently on some level personally. Right. You know, Joan Rivers is the reason I got on The Tonight Show. How did that happen? I mean, I'm not. She I, fought for me to get on the Tonight Show, and I got on the episode that was her last episode because of her blow up with Freddie de Cordova over her getting her own show. I was the act she chose for that show. Because a lot of people, I think, don't realize that, and I know it's hard to bring a little bit of humor back into the topic, but, uh, you know, Johnny took it personally that she. Yeah, I did. Uh, you know, left because she was like the her and Gary uh, were kind of like the co-hosts or uh, rotating guest host, guest host uh, roster, along with Bill Cosby and a few others and George Carlin and you know, wow, yeah, what a difference a Cosby decade another. makes, you know, it's Jesus, uh, but and I mean, in a way, it's like he's gone to. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, He's been taken from the lexicon. It's uh I mean by his own hand. 
I mean, I it's that's still uh, I don't want to believe it, you know. And it's weird when it's a childhood thing. Yeah, no, it's like it's a different it's a different place of protection that they go in the psyche, and half your battle over it isn't an argument with anyone else. It's the two hemispheres inside your head, or your head and your heart. Yeah, no, I mean, there duking was... it out over what to say about this once honored hero. I mean, I was neighbors with O.J. Simpson as a child. Oh my god! And uh, he used to throw me the football. Hey, Earl, how you doing? And uh, it just part of me that still wants to believe that ah, he didn't do it. Hmm. But I, I mean, it's there are those who say it still. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I kind of think he did do it, but you know, I mean, his blood was everywhere, but in his own body that night. So <laughs> he's down a court. Yeah, <laughs> but at that show is. Have you had uh, a chance? No, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Cheadle's work. It's uh, it's a fascinating uh, the casting. I mean, uh, John Travolta. How's Travolta? He and that stark makeup. He looks just like Robert Shapiro. Looks like Shapiro. I saw the photo. My only problem with it is, uh, it's just interesting to talk with you because the casting. I mean, is in real life OJ towered over Robert Shapiro, but in this, uh, Travolta, to me anyway, towers over Cuba Gooding. Like I thought they should have gotten uh, someone a little bigger to uh, visually play OJ. Because Cuba Gooding does not look like an NFL running back. Oh, I haven't seen it. So it's Cuba Gooding. Yeah, he plays OJ. Um, and uh, most of the other actors are look like the guy playing um, Dershowitz looks just like Dershowitz. Evan uh, Handler. Evan Handler. Um, and then... Uh, oh, yeah. Is this a miniseries? It's on FX. It's Is I think it's eight episodes. Oh, it's a miniseries. Though. Yeah. It's a limited run, then the eight, and that's it. And uh, Yeah. Okay. And uh, Nathan Lane plays. Well, I, I do, I do uh, want to see it at some point. Well, you, you see, I, I'm not as busy as you are, so I've got the time to... Uh, All right. Uh, Nathan Lane does a great F. Lee Bailey. So, uh, and uh, it's oh. fascinating. Uh, I had no idea the Dream Team hated each other. You know. Who does Marsha? Uh, I don't know the name of the actress, but she's, she's very good. Nice and, break for her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the gentleman who plays Chris Darden is, you think it's Chris Darden. Yeah. And the, the guy who played Mark Furman, he's pretty good. I mean. You know him from other stuff? Do you see him around? I, I, he's like a character actor. I don't know his name, but he, I mean, they all, it, it's a fascinating look. Well, that's where I live, right in that end of town. <clears throat> the character guy, you know, that, you no, know, what's that guy? I've seen him in a thing, like that HBO show about the, right. I know that guy, the guy with the name and the thing. But that's a great, you know, because to me, character actors make, whether it be a TV show or a movie, they make, you can't have just 20 good-looking people in a movie. Reads. Right. right. They got to have guys that look like me. Or me. Or you. Or who, not, not me, but, you know, like an M. Emmett Walsh we were talking about. The character actor that is the pack mule carrying the giant block of information and trying to put some kind of twist on it so you can hear this huge block of data. Right. Yeah, we do a lot of the, the bulk work. Well, you have to. Mm hmm I mean, probably my favorite actor of all time is a character actor by the name of John Glover, who... Uh, Crispin's pop. 
I don't think it is. No. I Who think is that? John might uh, swing the other way from what I understand. So if he had a kid, uh, oh. have to, uh, you know, come out the other end. Oh, but, is that right? But in no judgments made. I mean, he's. Oh, well, no, come on. Some, some of them do in, the, in that era. They did get married. Well, Calvin Just to Klein. make the town back off, you know. And they bearded it up. Well, Calvin Klein, I think, is uh, he's about as straight as a circle. And, uh, you know, but uh, hey, when in Rome. You know, it's. It's starting to be the era where gay isn't a weapon anymore. It can't be used as an accusation. It can't be weaponized as an accusation much longer. What do you think is the new weapon? Race? Racist. Right. Like what they're doing or trying to do to, I guess, Sexist. Trump. Ists. Isms and ists. Will be the arrowheads that Rambo screws on the... Right. Like with what, like... Trump's detractors. I mean, that's the first two adjectives you hear about him as uh, racist and sexist. Because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I mean, have you ever seen a uh, election cycle like this? No. Uh, and you I'm must 61 years old, and I was pretty political as a teen when I started thinking about whether my ass is going to get blown up in Vietnam, and I better start pondering what I'm going to do and say about that. And uh, so I'm going to start protesting that and start seeing how it all went with the riots in Chicago for the conventions and watching on TV. And my dad went down to Selma and walked in the marches and stuff, you know, and got watched people get the shit knocked out of them. And, you know, we, we saw the big craziness that happened before. There have been eras when everything went nuts and then it dies down and a new story comes along and everyone forgets that it happened, you know? Right. Uh, there will be a day when you'll talk about 9-11 to some kid and you won't know what you're talking about. That's crazy. There'll probably be another 9-11 uh, to cover up. Right. <laughs> Maybe. But there will be, because that's how history works so often. There's just so much data space and everyone to keep active current files have to keep push push pushing right. these gigantic iconic moments out of the way to make data file for what you know Justin Bieber did with his hair or whatever is being data fed to you by a large lit gadget and we're all raised on it like a mother's teat you know well that's like uh, I, you know listen Justin Bieber god bless that guy for making that kind of cash I, I can appreciate that the Jewish part of me can appreciate that, but like, you know, well, as an artist, though, <laughs> I mean, listen, uh, but purely if you just take the music away and read the text. Oh, I would love to strip the music away from his song. Do a poetry site. You want to do a poetry night? I, I, I'll do anything. Do a poetry you. slam of reading his stuff. Just I did it once with Kiss songs from the eighties. Oh, reading the words. Gene Simmons specific songs. And, oh, uh, that's fantastic! Kiss has a song. That's a great idea. I, you do Justin Bieber. I'll do Kiss songs from the. I don't 80s. know any. I you have to show me one. I wouldn't know. I, I mean, well, I downloaded his last album, and about two minutes later, uploaded it right back to him. <laughs> he gave it back. I want my dollar ninety nine no, back. Keep the dollar. <laughs> you got it. Spend that. Fool me once. Uh, but uh, <laughs> spend that on stamps. I did a spoken word once to the Gene Simmons songs. Uh, burn, bitch, burn. 
which is a, <laughs> how to go. Let me hear some of the, let me hear some uh, of the poem. Bend over, baby. Let me drop my log in your fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a Gene fan, but <laughs> add some poetry, man. Well, that's like, that's like spinal tap level, big bottom. <laughs> oh, I mean, stuff, man. <laughs> well, kiss in the eighties. They were, uh, if polka was big, they would have put out a polka album. Yeah, uh, Weird Al. Yeah, yeah. Get him. I mean, Kiss was basically doing a parody, I think, of Weird Al. <laughs> the other, I've had it wrong all these years. Yeah. It's the other way around. Yes, of course. How stupid of me. But I love the 80s. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but get let's get back to the election. Like, I mean, just today alone, it, it's breaking news every day with the uh, Cruz and Trump now talking about each other's wives i mean yeah. i how about talk about the policies they uh they don't know how to do that they gotta stay on the fuckability factor of each other's milfy wife you know well i will say this so it, it would be would they be a flilf well i first mean first lady i'd like to fuck flilf th- well if trump wins he'd have the first first lady that we could jack off to up there, I don't know, Eleanor Roosevelt, man. Well, in this in era. In a pinch. Well, in a pinch of what? <laughs> I mean, let's look at the last couple. Hillary, uh, you know, I'm good. Uh, Barbara Bush, or uh, what, was the, what was the GW's wife's name? Was it not Barbara? Uh, Queen Alien. Right. She lays eggs, the Bush eggs. Right. <laughs> Ripley has to come out with a loader. You know, leave America alone, you bitch clanks. Clink, clink. And then she comes out of uh, Yafakoto's stomach. <laughs> no, it was uh, 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 John uh, Hurt. John Hurt. John Hurt. He even had Hurt in his name. Right. And uh, let's not forget Lance Henriksen while we're at it. Speaking uh, of characters. Aliens. Aliens and... and uh, aliens, yeah. Lance Henriksen oh, had he, this voice here. Oh, he, was, he plays the wealthy but dying millionaire who's on missions for things. Alien versus Predator. Oh, uh, that's right. Now, he, speaking of... Cat, yeah, as you can tell, Rick, I don't plan these interviews. I mean, we've gone from Kiss lyrics to Lance Henriksen. You know, he was the original... There's The first two original choices for Terminator were Lance Henriksen... And there were shots of him in the outfit. And uh, I, for whatever reason, they decided no and made him a cop in the movie. And then the second choice was O.J. Simpson. Mm-hmm. And you, you know the story about Beverly Hills Cop. Wasn't it a Stallone, Stallone was originally supposed to be Beverly Hills Cop, and they switched it all around. It, it, well, if that didn't happen, the world would not have had in 1986 the great Stallone vehicle, Cobra. Uh, you're the disease and I'm the cure. Well, I recently asked the bad guy from Cobra to come on the podcast. Oh, yeah. How's he doing? Uh, you know, he he's a great character actor. He's because yeah, right. he's got the jawline. Uh, you know, he's kind of a distinct looking uh, individual. And uh, other than your great GE commercial, <laughs> don't pick up the hammer, dad. Uh, did you see my uh, my grim? It was just on? I have not. Did an episode of Grimm, 219. You can see it on uh, iTunes, on ITV. And uh, it's loads of fun. I get to transform into a Vessen. Well, please check out that, guys. I want you guys to become fans of Rick Overton. You probably already are. I'm coming up on Veep. 
and I'll be coming up on uh, I'm dying up here on uh, Showtime. And that is the um, 1973 comedy scene in Hollywood on the strip at the store. And I don't think people with a slightly fictionalized look that is pretty damn accurate because I was there about what that universe was like, you know, because that scenes, the grittiness. Well, because back then, uh, you know, speaking about there only being the Tonight Show and and, and Merv Griffin and, and maybe Mike Douglas, there was two comedy clubs in town: Comedy Store and the Improv. You had to pick the Ashgrove. Okay, which was the Improv. By the improv wasn't out there till a little later, so it in, was just the store. It was territorial. Then you go out to uh, to uh, uh, Ice Pasadena House. and you got Ice House, right, where the Smothers Brothers would be breaking in stuff, and or down to Hermosa, which is uh, an amazing right. Uh, and so those there were places to go, but you had to get in the car and fucking drive for a while, you know. But wasn't uh, I don't want to say Mitzi, but like. <sighs> Wasn't there a vibe more or less laid out of if you play here, it's only here? It was a little bit of a Berlin Wall, right? And it lasted about as long as the Berlin Wall, and and uh, because there's the famous Comedy Store uh, mm. strike, I think, uh, right? Tom Dreesen, Jay Leno took a tank down Sunset Boulevard, and uh, he just, drove a tank. Well, he probably does have a tank. Probably owns a tank, yeah. Some sort of tracked vehicle. Right. And, and Letterman's, uh, he's got an interesting look going now. He is uh, all out of fucks to give. That's great, though, to get he's, at that level. Yeah, he's, now he's like uh, Yoda. He's, he's just jogging on St. Bart's. He looks like he's in fantastic fit. Yeah. Beat the shit out of you shape. And uh, he just got that big furry beard and no hair and, and no glasses and doesn't want you to go... Oh, David Letterman. Hey, I want to talk with David. Hey, honey, get the kids. We found David Letterman. Hey, everybody. Hey, Joe, Jim, bring the RV over. He doesn't want any of that shit. He went to St. Bart's specifically to not be spotted. They caught him with a camera anyway, so he laughs. But I think the whole thing is just leave me the fuck alone, you know? I mean, he looks like he could have been a wizard in Bill and Ted's, uh, <laughs> you know, him and Fee Wable. Uh, you know, weren't you in that movie as well? No, I was in the TV series. I played the George Carlin part. Okay. In the TV series that was created by Savage Steve Holland, who did Beans Baxter. I was on the very first theme character script-based series that Fox Network did. It was a half hour called Beans Baxter, created by Savage Steve Holland. Now, is it hard? Well, it's one of the very first themed stories that wasn't just sort of reality-based or something else for Fox or rerun. It, but uh, like doing the Bill and Ted's, like the George Carlin role, like they've done that a few times with movies. Take them, like the Bad News Bears, they did it. It didn't quite translate to me anyway. Uh, has a TV show. Uh, w w how did you find that experience to, to take a successful movie and make it into a weekly TV show? Well, it's a lot of pressure having to follow what George Carlin did because he's a hero of mine. And boy, to play the guy that your hero did comes with an up and a downside because of the pressure of you want to do it right and bring your own thing while honoring what he did. And, you know, I imagine it's like being want to uh, bring your own signature to it. Oh, sure. But not disgrace the part that he made. I imagine like in the, to take a music, uh, you know, we'll, we'll use Roger Capps as an example. He yeah. left uh, Pat Benatar. So I can imagine the next bass player was like, well, I, I'm not Roger, but I, 
want to obviously the fans want to hear what he did, but yeah. I want to put my own take on it. Yeah. What about the quality of Jason Bonham's drumming or Julian Lennon's fine songwriting? Right. They're the kids of geniuses. Why don't they get to make great stuff? I hear the kids of the Beatles are putting something together. That's he's talking about pressure. Yeah, talk about pressure that if we are cool, let them do their thing. For Christ's sakes, look at what they're under. Just let them fucking do it. I let mean, them get through a show and then decide. Don't hate in advance. Right. Well, I'm guilty of that. Like, uh, Well, comedians have to be because that's the only way to get a joke out of a thing. It's everything good. There's no joke. Got to find what's bad with the thing to make fun of that part. Oh, I'm awful at some of the things I make jokes about. But. <laughs> You know, there is a, uh, you know, as you know, my role on Roast Battle, it's kind of the house heckler. House heckler, yeah. And uh, the other night, it's a great, it's a sad, but a great story that Quincy Jones is a really super funny comic. Uh, he's uh, dying of cancer and uh, he's only in his mesothelioma. You know, he lived in a building with asbestos. Asbestos, yeah. He went on um, Ellen and now HBO is... Uh, producing a stand-up special oh yeah i heard about that and so but the other night at roast battle i'm like uh so apparently to get on hbo i have to have a terminal disease so uh if there's anyone in the room i've got aids <laughs> horrible thing to say but it, it falls in line with and clearly you're obviously doing the opposite well i would hope of what you would say when you're not being that guy oh yeah and he is clearly a part of you because that is your sense of humor but your sense of humor is playing arch playing opposite of what you believe doing the worst knowing this is the worst possible thing to say as opposed to this is in your head the best possible thing i could Absolutely. do you know the difference and so it changes the reason why you're doing it and i think sometimes an audience needs to be installed and updated with irony 8.6 and up so that they can open these files and get everything Sarah Silverman is doing and get when people are doing switcheroo reverse. So David Feldman, who also, he takes, he, you know, like if you get hit in the thigh with a hunter's arrow, do you know how you're supposed to remove it? Which direction? It goes halfway into your thigh. How do you get it out? I was led to believe you don't take it out because if you do, it depends. If you're stuck in the wilderness and there's no one to fucking help you, what are you going to do? And it didn't hit an artery. Right. Oh, I don't know, to be honest with you. You got to push it completely through. If it's a hunter's arrow, because it's, it's barbed in the opposite direction. So when you pull it this way, it makes a shotgun hole. It fans outward. But if you push it clean, it makes a twenty-two caliber right. hole going the other way. Gotcha. But you got to push it all the way through. And that's what David does with a joke. Right. And you go, oh, at the first point. And then by the third point, you go, oh. <laughs> Henry Phillips does that with songs. Right, right. He tickle, tickle, tickle. Tickle, 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 bam, hard right to the side of your head after you know, feather duster, boxing glove. Well, yeah. Hard shock out of nowhere after he lulled you in, you know? Well, I would hope, uh, <laughs> I've had two recent incidents that uh, the polar opposite reaction, I had an African-American gentleman come up to me after the show and be like, yo, man, and he was a pretty big guy, Rick. He's like, what's with the racist bullshit? I'm like, oh, you know, it's a character like Archie Bunker. And he looked at me and goes, who the fuck is Archie Bunker? And I said, oh, Moses, who's the host of the show, he wants to talk to you for a sec. <laughs> and then Jim Carrey, who was a judge one night, great, uh, instantly came up to me after the show and said, hey, Archie, where's Edith? 
Good, yeah. And it was just like, Oh, okay. geez, there, huh? Yeah. Get out of my chair, meatheads. Yeah, oh, you Jews, you got those heaps. <laughs> it was crazy what they were saying. Yeah, and then Sammy gives him a kiss. That's yeah. so many things in one shot. That, to me, that Sammy Davis... Uh, Plan one minute, on Carol O'Connor. That, to me, is the greatest nine minutes of sitcom uh, writing. Yeah. Uh, that's good stuff, isn't it? That means yeah. Jim Carrey, by the way, is the one of the producers right. of uh, "I'm Dying Up Here," and I'm assuming he reached out to you and said, "We have to." You were there. Well, they had me come in and, and read the guy. You know, I'm fair and square. I'm I'm supposed to do my job as an actor and prove I do it. And so then you, you pass the test and in you go. So uh, yeah, and I I'm not a regular, but hopefully this guy will be around. Can I ask, I, I don't know if you're allowed to say, I, I certainly don't want to get you in. Can I ask what, uh, like what kind of character you're playing on the show? I play a, a tonight show booker. Oh, okay. But that's it. Let, let me, and then we check and see, you know, I gotcha. I mean, well, you've had experience with bookers. Uh, and this is another, uh, reason I wanted to, uh, you on is almost as a therapy session for me. Like there was a couple years where I auditioned for Montreal mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I'm pretty honest guy, Rick, you know, I was probably good enough to get it, but never got it. And like I asked Russell Peters, I said, Russell, cause I think it's just the biggest comic just, in the world. So some over the holidays. I mean, you talk about a nice guy. Like Great guy. that was a good party. Oh, his 4th of July party was like, <laughs> he had like a boat outside his house with kiss fireworks. I'm like, yeah, right. He's like, girl, let's watch from my theater. I'm like, you know, when I say theater, I mean, I got a nice TV. That's yeah, yeah, it's a great TV. This guy actually had a fucking theater. <laughs> uh, I Russell, am I like, I thought it was about being funny. What? Yeah. Uh, he's like, girl, they don't even know what they want. So how are you supposed to know? Exactly. I mean, were you ever rejected for TV shows, movies? Oh, of course. And, of course. You're not always going to be right for everything. But... I mean, it's is. I mean, someone like obviously you're an amazing. You're, you're beyond an. You're a legend, and I really mean that. Oh, I was lucky. Yeah, but you're grateful and lucky. That's all. You're not in this business for forty years and not be fucking amazing. Well, uh, I'd say even your tenacity is luck. Whatever skills you got is luck. The fact that you have skill is luck. The fact that you have tenacity that you wound up with parents that imbued you with a set of values that would either force you to rebel against to make it happen or go along with to make it happen, it happened. And all of that is confluence of luck to me. And I am grateful for every split second that I get to do for a living what's kind of on my mind. Uh, but so you must have been a great choice to play a booker because you've been on the other side. Oh, I had some fun. I had a little fun with the sweet revenge of it all. Yeah. Yeah, you'll see. Oh, I can't wait. And can't when is that now. out? They're not. They, uh, yeah, we're all they don't know yet. We're waiting for the slot where everybody's fussing and a fidgeting, but it did get picked up. So I, you know, I guess if they have to know as springtime's rolling around now and start getting ready to get it ready. Now I know you got your busy man. It, it's cool. We go about another 10 minutes. Right. Okay, I, I wanted to give you a hand signal, but uh, I figured you'd be like, what the fuck is Earl doing? <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> um, so how do you deal? Like, because not only are you in a business in comedy where you get rejected constantly, but auditioning. Like, I mean, how do you, I mean, I'm sure you're at the point now where it's like, I'm Rick Overton. I'm, 
you know your path. But how do you deal with the rejection? Even someone like you. When you've had a lot of kill sets and you have a bomb set, where do you put it in your head or your heart or wherever? Because it's kind of the same place that where bomb sets go. Or, and you know, every unless you just utterly skunked it in the room, you're not sure what they'll think of what could be a perfectly fine audition or a right-on audition or a nailed-it or crushed-it audition if they got someone else in mind or you were offer bait. Well, Overton's going to do it, so we're just telling you if you don't want to take the offer, he's ready to go. Oh, no, wait a minute. Hold on. Okay, hang on. What, 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 what were the terms again? You know, and sometimes you're just left out like that goat in Jurassic Park. I've been there. Uh, we'll, we'll be back there. And that will happen. There's a lot of guys in town. Look my like my age. They've been at it as long as me. A little further down the road. And they're on their phones with their managers and agents going, well, who's who's up for this? Who? Well, fuck that. I should be up for this part. Well, do something about it. And if I was them, you know, I guess, well, yeah, I got your point. I see it. I... I just want to be in the club. I want to stay in the club, keep working, because it's what I love to do. And so far, it's working out. Mm. Study improv, young guys and gals. Get out there and study your improv, because at the end of your creative career, you'll be measured by one of two things, either how well you improvised or how well you plagiarized, and there's no third option. Well, I got kicked out of the groundlings, so. There you go. Yes, and. (laughs) What happened? Well, I mean, uh... I think my teacher was a little bitter, and it's like, don't get mad at me. I'm not casting you, and th- or not casting you. And uh, so, uh, you know, at at that time, it was 12 sessions, six session. They give you like a halftime. Hey, this is what you need to work on. And he's like, Earl, you're the funniest guy in class, team leader. Just work a little bit on your space work. Now, in all fairness, I definitely needed to work on my space. <laughs> yeah, that's work. what the brass knuckles are for. I mean, I, <laughs> I would hold a. Make a phone call, like, instead of going like this. Thumb and I, pinky. I Got the thumb and pinky. Yeah. So it's a valid uh, critique. But he basically said, listen, you're going to pass. Just need to work on this a little bit. Twelfth session comes before my ass even hit the chair. He's like, you know, you're not good enough to do this, right? What? And he's like, Who you tells need a fella something like that? Sean Hogan. I don't mind oh, naming names. Okay. Uh, and then uh, he said, well, you can take the class again. I'm like, that's. I either I'm good enough to do it or I'm not. You know, don't jerk me. And so he, I, I might have told him to fuck off. And uh, <laughs> and I've I've said a thing or two in my day. I have a little bit of the rebel yap on me, you know. And I've I've torched more than one bridge, but that's you know you get that Indiana Jones swinging across feeling from it. Sometimes that's not always healthy. The rush from it, right? Just because you like how it feels to tell someone to fuck off. It doesn't always later you get into a game the way to go the whole time, though I have done it a bunch. I try to temper it now. And these days, I really choose where a fuck you goes. Because it's a very... Uh, it's a mighty thing. The, oh, absolutely. But, I mean, the more successful you are, the, the smaller the circle gets. Yeah. So that too. Like, absolutely. There's some math about it. And I, I don't want to say fuck you to these people because I think... You refine a thing, even unconsciously sometimes, you can refine a situation so that there's the people that belong around you just start to be around you. Yeah, I mean... And it'll just start to happen. And some of it you made happen, and some of it you didn't know you had any influence on, but you made it happen anyway. 
Now, you mentioned bombing. And I'm, mm. I could teach a class on bombing. Oh, right. Me too. I mean, well, I mean, it reminds me of a set I had with you, a uh, set list, where uh, I thought oh, you're I... you're too rough on yourself. I thought, yeah, that was a fine set list, you know. But I thought I did really well, and then great. you went up and killed, and I felt like, fuck, I'm... It was very humbling to see you destroy. Not that I... Th but... How do you deal when you feel you bombed? Or not that you bombed, but like... I do. It'll happen. But how do you... Where does it register in your head? Like the next day, are you thinking about it? Or is it out of your head? Uh, it depends. If there's a heckler, sometimes I'll replay the exchange. I'll be in the car kind of mumbling his side. and what Oh, fuck, I should have said this. Right. Oh, that would have gotten a bigger laugh. Oh, fuck. Oh, next time. There'll never be a next time. You know, stupid shit. But it's just, oh, I'll keep that line. I'll keep it because maybe I can use it on something. Right. Maybe it'll get into a script. I'll have the asshole in the script say that guy's thing, you know. And so I, I'm usually running three or four files in my head, riff files, storage files. And usable, usable, eh, not usable, dump it. Toss Is that it. how you write your con? I mean, like, just, uh, like, how do you go about writing your stand-up? Like, it's the same way you just have files and mix and match like let's say netflix calls you tomorrow and says rick we want you to do an hour special what's the first like do you write how do you do it i'll write out a basic list of topics without all the beats right so you see like maybe politics sex and then subcategories Right, so like under politics or a thing, Trump. Uh, the, the, the title for a thing in that heading. Right. And then see what subject should go first. What should we open with? Easy, roll into politics, go home on sex, shuffle it around, look at it. You know, most crowds, it's a little hard to follow ballsy shit with heady stuff. Right. Usually goes better in the opposite direction. So heady stuff first. Yeah. Get them in the middle with easy and make it a little heady once they know you a little better. Right. And then s switch to the sex stuff to hit them in the gut, kind of. Right. So you wouldn't necessarily start off with your jacking off at 13 joke. Yeah, some guys do. Well, you're looking at one. <laughs> Well, I'd have a hard time following you. Oh, I don't there think goes you my would. jerking off bit, but right. okay. <laughs> I mean, we all jacked off at 13. I say that there's, uh, you know, there's, there's suggested teaching masturbation classes in school for children. There was uh, Joycelyn Elders was suggesting that. And I thought, is there some kid that doesn't know how to beat off? Well, I he had to learn it in school. Who couldn't figure beating off out, you know? Well, I learned it watching Angie Dickinson in Dress, yes. to, Dress to Kill. <laughs> that shower scene, you got to understand, I was watching that movie on a shag carpet. So uh, that's hard to clean. Well, who said anything about cleaning it? <laughs> <laughs> you have a, uh, my, I guess mine was Mrs. Peel. Okay. From the Avengers. Oh my God, she's Diana Rigg, oh. Patrick McNee. Oh, I love in the zippered up leather outfit, slapping motherfuckers in oh. the face, knocking them around. Well, uh, sexy flip hair. 
Well, I can raise you one and go Barbara Feldman from Get Smart, but Feldon. Uh, I thought it was oh, you're right. See, there you go, Barbara Feldon, who love uh, <clears throat> the lovely Barbara Feldon, still alive, I think. I would hope so. Uh, okay, uh, Honey West and Francis. Oh my God! Wow, With a little dot thing on her chin, the beauty mark. Yeah. See, I'll raise that and go the black girl with the big tits on Soul Train. I don't know her name, but uh, <laughs> right on. Who, who <laughs> Pam cares? Greer. I'll raise you there to Pam Greer. Um, that's the other sexy women from the early days. Uh, Tina Turner, uh, still sexy. Raquel uh, Welsh, nice. Um, Ursula Andress, yeah. And basically any girl in a James Bond movie. Eartha Kitt. Oh, I mean, Pat, the Catwoman, Batman from the sixties. Eartha Kitt. Do you Grace see in that outfit? That the hip. To the waist thing going on with Eartha Kitt. Oh, my Christ. Anyway, uh, what did you say? Grace Jones. Grace Jones. Yeah, in the Bond film. Oh, uh, with uh, Christopher Walken, 1983. Yeah, beautiful kill. Beautiful kill. Uh, I mean, I'm, see, I'm in over my head now trying to. I was a Roger Moore guy. Uh, me, you know, you are, huh? I, I just What's his best one? Well, I'll just Some say. Some say Beauty of the Kill was the most fun because of the quirkiness that Walken brought. I, I agree, but I was a huge fan, and he recently deceased of the bad guy Jaws, Richard Keel. Yeah, Rich Keel, um, which for an acromegalic lived yes. a very long time. Well, it's funny. I His know, organs held up incredibly well because it's often organ failure right. during the size of the body. It's like running Las Vegas on a small power station. <laughs> and he was a, uh, well, it's funny. The uh, guest I had on last week, Jack O'Halloran, who was the. Uh, giant bad guy in superman 2 he had the uh, same uh, disease yeah. he had his pituitary gland taken giant out disease. um but i am i getting back to roger moore i because i love because i love richard keel um i would say moonraker spy who loved me moonraker was fun who was the bad guy in that moon in moonraker uh uh, 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 European. Uh, he also played uh, Inspector Poirot for a few things too. Maxwell, uh, something Maxwell. Max uh, something. This is. All God right, darn it, uh, guys. Uh, Rick, uh, where can people find you online? Uh, at Rick Overton uh, on Twitter and Rick Overton on Facebook. And uh, my podcast is called Overview, and it's on Sideshow Network and iTunes. And uh, a lot of fun interviews with uh, great people. And this was this was loads of fun. He just got something at the door there. He got delivery. You're all good. This has been a crazy podcast, a, a, a death of yeah. a comedy legend in the yes. middle. Um, Rick, from the bottom of my heart. Earl, thank you for having me, man. And I can't wait to come hang out with you and judge on Tuesday sometime soon, man. Rick Overton will be a judge on Roast Battle. Um, and uh, this sounds cheesy, but uh, I know he was a friend of yours and uh, definitely a idol of mine. Uh, sorry to hear about Gary Shanling. Thanks, man. And uh, you are an inspiration to me, Rick, as a actor, but uh, more specifically as a comic because you keep it real. Thanks, buddy. And uh, it's, uh, I know I've laid it on a little thick, but I mean no, I appreciate every word. And thanks for your time. Thanks. So, no, it's just to have you on my couch is a true honor. So, uh, guys out there, Inappropriate Earl, iTunes and SoundCloud, uh, follow Rick Overton because uh, the word legend is. Oh, no. It, oh, Rick, <laughs> it's often overused. Uh, and rarely used in the right capacity, Rick Overton is one. Oh, jeez. 
40 fucking years in this business. I'm 16 years in, and I feel like uh, the Beltway Sniper was <laughs> open my comics. Uh, if I could get away with it, I would do it. Uh, but with my uh, family last name, it's a little, a little rough. We got, we got more uh, trials coming up than uh, the Brussels airport, guys. Um, Rick will be back uh, next week. Roger Caps. Yeah. Hopefully down uh, the road. Yeah. We'll Me have, and him together one day soon. And uh, just, reminiscences about Catch Rising Star. I mean, it, it, Rick's history. It, it's, we could go on another three hours, we but he could. actually has other gigs. I gotta get out of here, but I had a fun time, and so it means we're gonna have to just do it again. I, I would be humbled and honored. So, guys, Likewise. thank you for the love and support. Uh, follow Rick Overton. Uh, go on IMDb. Buy his movies, his TV shows. Uh, Please support him, and uh, we'll see you next week with Roger Caps from Pat Benatar. 